Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. As we come to the end of the fertilizer application window for slurry and chemical nitrogen, researcher and enterprise leader at Johnstown Castle, David Wall, gives advice to tackle paddocks low in essential nutrients. David also looks forward to pricing and fertilizer strategy for 2023. So the closing dates for both chemical fertilizer and from slurry are approaching now uh, roughly uh, um, we're a month away from chemical fertilizer. So that's the 15th of September. So from the 15th of September, we're into the close period and uh, the final splits or final applications of chemical fertilizer will need to be applied prior to that. For slurry, it's a little bit later. However, there is a rule change this year uh, under nitrates and the new date is the 8th of October. So all slurry will have to be applied by the 8th of October. And just to do a, a bit of a quick fire round, uh, David, you know, um, I suppose farmers are getting used to regularly completing soil fertility analysis. So, I mean, they've been potentially working on it throughout the year. But let's take the scenario where we have a paddock that is low in some of those essential nutrients and, and see, is there anything we can do between now and the end of the year? So firstly, we might look at a paddock with low pH. So what can we do from a lime perspective to lift? pH between now and the end of the year? Um, Louise, this is a perfect time of the year, I suppose, to get um, lime topped up. So if the pH is low and, and you have a soil test to indicate that the pH is low, the soil test will also give you the recommended lime rate. So that information is there on the soil test and, and, and farmers can go back and, and look that up. Um, it's a good time of year, I suppose, to apply lime. The soils are still firm underneath, so with the heavy lime spreader, um, that won't be a problem. Also, the rotation has uh, opened out um, with the silage blocks, etc., back into the into the, um, the the grazing block. So there's plenty of opportunity uh, to get lime out, um, and you're not following that close with 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 grazing grazing livestock uh, again. So. Um, you know, an application of two tons of lime, um, a, a lorry load of lime will do about ten acres, um, um, uh, which is is perfect. And and you know, most farms can have ten acres grazed out uh, and ready for lime. So it's perfect time for lime. And you know, when we talk about pricing of fertilizers, you know, everything has increased this year. Where is lime pricing at in terms of ground lime? So ground limestone is still um, um, the same as it always was. Uh, there might be a, a two or three euro um, higher um, transport charge per tonne, obviously with the price of diesel at the moment, but you're still looking at a, a tonne of lime in the region of 24 to maybe uh, 30 euro per tonne. So it's still relatively cheap. The return on investment is still as good as it ever was. Um, even at those those uh, prices, um, you're getting somewhere between six or seven euros to one euro spent in terms of of lime. So um, that's still a perfect return on investment. And and looking at P, David, I know that people would talk about they get out with their compounds earlier in the year and maybe into the second and turn third round in terms of P. But can can farmers do anything to lift P on farm at this time of year? 
Um, you're, you're correct, uh, M. Louise. In terms of phosphorus, we, 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 we tend to think of phosphorus to the early part of the year because that's when the biggest response to phosphorus in terms of the growing plant is. So in that March to April window is probably the optimum. However, um, for, for farmers that may have some slurry left in the tank, um, obviously that needs to be emptied to get ready for the, the close period and the animal housing period um, as soon as possible. There is an opportunity to target that remaining slurry potentially to paddocks with low uh, phosphorus in particular, but maybe paddocks with low phosphorus or potassium. So uh, again, back to consulting those soil test uh, reports, most farmers will have soil test reports and, you know, targeting that slurry will give a good return on investment in terms of getting the soil test results and also putting that remaining slurry uh, back on those paddocks where it can contribute to soil pea buildup. And you also refer to K and, you know, naturally there's, you know, there's a good source of of K from slurry. But talk through, um, I suppose, the strategy to lift K in paddocks from now until the end of the year. So uh, potash is is really essential for driving nitrogen use efficiency. And uh, there is a, a trend there on probably the, the, the farms that are growing the most grass, uh, for potash to fall or potash levels to fall in, in the soil. And the reason for that is where there's um, more, I suppose, opportuni- opportunistic bales are, are, are um, we'll say, grass gets strong and bales are, are taken off. That transports a lot of potash out with that silage um, or, or in those bales. So um, there is a trend there and it's something that needs to be remedied. Um, potash is not one of those uh, fertilizer nutrients that is restricted in terms of applications according to uh, the 15th of September. So that's for phosphorus and for nitrogen, chemical phosphorus and nitrogen. They are closed. Uh, We can still spread potash. Um, What I would say there is certainly targeting slurry uh, on, on those fields that we have um, maybe even taken off surplus grass off of or certainly silage ground, that would be the place to put the slurry. However, there is an opportunity here to go back with um, straight potash uh, if, if it can be got in terms of, of supplies of potash, um, um, muriate of potash at a half a bag or a full bag uh, to the hectare uh, will help build those potash levels for the back end and into the spring of next year. And you don't uh, run into issues with grass tetany with with, uh, freshly calved cows in the spring if it's applied at this time uh, of the year. And if if we look to next year, and you you've um, alluded to it, you know the I suppose the fertilizer into next spring. Um, I, I suppose you know y- you can't um, put a figure on it, David. But where are prices at for next year, fertilizer wise? Are we going to see them sustaining that uh, high price point, or will they decline? And Louise, if we, if we look at um, the current, um, I suppose, price of of, of fuel. Uh, the price of natural gas, et cetera, um, they're still high and, and they will remain high um, uh, for the foreseeable. So that only spells, I suppose, that fertilizer prices are going to be considerably high um, or sustained high uh, prices 
into next year, certainly into the early part of next year, all the signs are, are pointing that way. So what I would say to farmers out there is uh, plan for uh, fertilizer prices similar um, to what they are at the moment. Um, they've been sustained high throughout 2022. Um, there needs to be a plan in place, I suppose, uh, given those high prices to budget uh, for, for fertilizer and also then to, to use slurries and uh, get your liming done, etc. Anything that can uh, help to increase nitrogen use efficiency if it's chemical nitrogen that we're after. And also not to forget about soil fertility in terms of those P's and K's, because I suppose there is a, a, um, a, a fear out there that, you know, if we uh, pull back in terms of P's and K's and preferentially by nitrogen, that the system it can keep going and keep growing grass at the same rate. However, that's not the case. We can sustain it for one year, but uh, possibly into next year, those losses of P's and K's or fields where P's and K's haven't been applied will begin to decline in terms of grass yield. And on that, David, like, um, you know, you've made an interesting point that people may have taken the the eye off the ball in terms of the um, say P's and K's on farm this year given the nature of price um, I, I suppose have you observed differences in fertiliser strategy overall with farmers in 2022 given the price Yeah um, I, I suppose what we have observed is that slurry has been used better so there's a real positive there in terms of that I suppose um, especially in the spring of the year, fertile, uh, slurry was used um, uh, very carefully in terms of when soil conditions uh, were suitable, when the grass was actively growing. Um, uh, a lot of farmers delayed the application of the first round of slurry or didn't put out as, as, as high a rate and conserved slurry for subsequent grazing rounds throughout the, the year. So that's a real positive and, and probably something that, that needs to continue uh, into uh, next spring. Um, in terms of compound fertilizers, um, I suppose most farm farmers um, basically took what they could get, I suppose, with the supply issue in the early part of, 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 of 2022. Um, it looks like supply is not going to be as much of an issue into 2023 it's probably going to be price that's 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 still sustained at, at a high level so supplies will be there so compounds will be available and for those farmers that may have uh, preferentially bought nitrogen rather than buying compound fertilizer with with the balance of p and k uh, those farmers will need to top up those p, p and k's uh, as they go into 2023. So um, I suppose there is a little bit of looking at the soil test results, looking at those fields that um, may be low in terms of P and K and, and putting a strategy in place and a fertilizer plan in place to either hit those fields with, with more slurry or to purchase suitable compounds, um, you know, your 18612s, your 101020s to top up those fields with in terms of P's and K's to sustain grass growth into 2023. 
And and another thing, um, a, a little bit off point, uh, David, but in relation to the products that we're spreading, you know, when we talk about uh, straight nitrogen, we're talking about urea, protected urea can. And you've referred to, I, I suppose, some of the popular and powerful, um, you know, um, 18612 and 1020 as alternatives where we are targeting P and K. But I suppose the, the conversation continues around the use of can versus the use of protected urea. I suppose, can you give us, you know, a, a brief insight into, um, I suppose, the response in terms of grass production if we're spreading either of those nitrogen sources? We have much work done, uh, both in, in terms of, of the research uh, studies, but also um, in, in recent years out on farms to really evaluate and, and look at, 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 I suppose, the grass growth responses from the different products. That would be straight urea, uh, protected urea with, with the lower um, uh, ammonia emissions, and uh, obviously straight can fertilizers or straight nitrogen as calcium ammonium nitrogen. So um, in those um, three products, what we have seen and what we observed is, is that protected urea performed equally as good as can uh, throughout uh, different seasons, different years and different weather uh, um, uh, conditions. Um, urea uh, sometimes lagged behind those, um, especially when the ground was very dry. So the soil was very dry and we had very sunny weather. So uh, typical um, summer weather. And that's down to ammonia loss or nitrogen loss as ammonium um, uh, throughout those those drying conditions are very high sunny weather um, the protection on the urea uh, is doing what it says on the tin so it, it's really working and keeping that nitrogen that would have been lost if it, if it wasn't protected uh, during the summer period and uh, consequently what we got was very good growth levels uh, compared with can and what we're seeing now in some of the long-term studies is that extra nitrogen that's being saved there, that's not being lost, is tending to grow more grass on occasion compared with a calcium ammonium nitrogen fertilizer, so a canned fertilizer that may be more prone to leaching there at, at certain times of the year. So in the long-term studies, the evidence is that protected urea is giving an advantage even over can on occasion. But uh, in the in the other studies, side by side, uh, they're growing the same amount over the rotation. There is some evidence there um, um, or some anecdotal evidence or some responses coming in from uh, different farmers that they may see a temporary um, delay in terms of protected urea. Um, that's not transpiring and not resulting in a yield loss or a yield differential compared with can. And it may be temporarily, it may be for three or four days before that uh, protected urea gets absorbed into the plant and begins to grow, but not, not manifesting itself as a yield difference. And, and I guess one of the um, advantages of protected urea is there's, you know, a much lower environmental footprint relative to can. In a sentence, what are the differences there? Look, at protected urea uh, reduces ammonia emissions and ultimately uh, reduces greenhouse gas emissions compared with calcium ammonium nitrogen and 
um, when we look at those in, in terms of, of the ask on farmers going forward, we hear it in the news at the moment, it's on the radio every single morning, um, um, protected urea is one of the biggest and main technologies that farmer can achieve those emissions reductions, greenhouse gas emissions reductions, and ammonia emissions reductions without it being a threat to their business in terms of they still have the nitrogen that they need to grow their, their, their grass to feed their cows. If we look at the wider picture then, David, in relation to soil fertility, and, and you've touched on a lot of, of essential nutrients already, but, you know, optimum soil fertility is linked to higher levels of productivity. And, you know, there's often numbers put on it. So, and um, you know, optimum lime gives an extra ton of grass relative to lower uh, pH levels in, in the soil. But I suppose if we look at it from an environmental point of view, is there benefits um, to achieving optimum soil fertility from an emissions ter- perspective? Certainly. Um, look at managing the soil and managing the soil fertility uh, has been and will always be a, a key technology and a key focus of both grassland and um, arable farmers or, or tillage farmers. Um, and there are multiple benefits. So uh, farmers will know about uh, the, 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 the yield benefits there from, from lime, P and K. The nitrogen use efficiency benefits that we've looked at uh, in recent times, we can move from about 35% nitrogen use efficiency, where pH, P and K are on the floor, up to approximately 80% nitrogen use efficiency into the grass where all three are optimized. So just by, by, by doing that alone, we're going to get more bang for our book from our chemical fertilizer. And um, when we think about that, that means that more of that nitrogen is recovered. So if you are spreading uh, 100 kilos of nitrogen, we're getting 80 uh, to 85% of that. So 80 to 85 kilos recovered into the grass. So that means there's less to be lost to the atmosphere in terms of greenhouse gases or to the water in terms of leaching. So um, there's a benefit straight away. And ultimately, when we look at uh, both getting your pH right, getting up to the target of 6.3 for a ryegrass sward or all the way up to 6.8 for a a grass clover sward, or uh, operating at index three compared with index one, we can reduce, directly reduce our greenhouse gas emissions uh, as nitrous oxide. And that's uh, new research hot off the press. And those uh, technologies are also ready for the inventory so farmers can get credit for both. Finally, then, David, you know, I suppose this is all going to be on show um, at Johnstown Castle. All of what we have discussed and more at the end of the month, Tuesday, the 30th of August. Can you tell us what's there for dairy farmers to see on the day? So at our open day uh, on the 30th of August, uh, we would welcome uh, all dairy farmers, but all farmers from from right across different cohorts, different enterprises uh, to come and see, um, I suppose, technologies for farms uh, of the future. So these are technologies that farmers uh, can implement and adopt onto their farms to make them uh, more resilient in terms of production, efficiency, profitability, and environmental sustainability. So things that 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 are maybe of interest 
We have the work for the last uh, four years on multi-species swords uh, in our, our, our spring dairy uh, herd. Uh, for the winter milk um, uh, uh, farms out there, we will have the winter milk dairy cow nutrition work that's going on at Johnstown Castle on show. Um, obviously, uh, the dairy calf to beef uh, systems um, those will be uh, demonstrated and, and the, the latest results shown where, again, we have multi-species swards, we have grass clover, um, and we have those, those animals on, on ryegrass swards, and we will be discussing the results from that. Other technologies like the slurry additives uh, work will be uh, demonstrated. Um, obviously, the low emission technologies, oversown of, of grassland swards, and a lot more besides. So, um, it's a it's a it's going to be a, a great day. Uh, plenty of technologies on show. Uh, we also have the castle and garden. So if it's a case of making a family day out, um, that's going to be also uh, available there on the day. So we'd welcome farmers from right across the country, right across enterprises, to come and prepare your farm for the future. It's something there for everyone, David, and um, we, we've touched on a lot of content today and, you know, I'm sure you will be available on the day if there are follow-up questions from any of our listeners. Thank you, David. Thanks, Emma Louise. That's all for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast, and my thanks to David Wall for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.